0: Everyone, <laughs> please stay with us. God is
1: able.
2: That you are here, and uh, what a pleasure to be able to come together and worship our great God and Savior Jesus Christ together uh, today. I see we've got some of our college students back this weekend. Uh, it looks like uh, they may be off for some uh, for uh, Columbus Day, uh, so it's good to see you guys back with us this morning. Uh, hopefully you're able to watch online uh, during, uh, when, you're, when you're away at school. We've got it live on Sunday mornings, so hopefully you're able to catch that. Uh, But we're glad to have you live and in person here today. Let's take a moment to greet each other. If you see someone you don't recognize, go say good morning. And we'll continue to worship together here in just a moment.
1: gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this day to thank you for the love and the the grace and the mercy that you show toward us, Lord. We thank you for your saving grace, Lord. We pray that you, as we go into this hour of worship, that we would uh, hear your word and adhere to your word, Lord. May we show that same grace and mercy toward others, Lord, as we go into this hour of of giving. We just pray that you would uh, receive this offering, Lord, and use it to the furtherment of your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we
0: pray. Amen.
3: All right. Hey, I told you I was going to sit there. All right. I'll sit down here since there's room down here. All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. You doing okay this morning? All right. Well, I've got something here. Anybody ever seen one of these? What is that? It's a toy. All right. So it is a toy. It's It's a potato. Is that all it is? What can I do with this potato? I can open it? Okay. What else can I do? What? Stick things in it. Like a pencil? No. Oh, this stuff down here. Okay, all right. Well, hold on. Let me see. All right. Let's see. Uh, put. What are these? Are these feet? All right. I'm going to try to make this work out. All right. So, oh, yeah, this this works. I can just start... Sticking things in here. Right? Is this is this what's supposed to happen here? I got a no and a yes. I got the little uh the little weirdo here saying things work that way. Um Is that is that the way this thing was intended to be played with? Is that really it? It <laughs> is? Brooklyn, is this the way it's supposed to happen? Yeah, I mean, no. no, she's saying no, no, no. No, no, no. Where does the mustache go? It just it hangs on to any... Right c- there on the it won't work that way. See? It goes on his hand? I
1: know where it goes. He's digging under
3: one hand. All right, Brooklyn, you seem to be the only one that really understands this thing. So, you had it a year ago? You had not figured it out yet? Wow. All right, let's see. Uh, I don't know if I have two ears in here, so how about, can the eyes go up here above the nose? Does that look right? What about these feet up here? I need to put those somewhere else. Where do they go? On the bottom? On the bottom. Okay, look at that. Oh, he's actually starting to look like something now. What's it starting to look like?
1: He's starting to
3: look like a human potato. A human potato. Oh, boy. Oh, looks like what? British? A a British potato? I think they call those chips. (laughs) Uh, What is it? Are you trying to fix this? Uh Uh-oh. A grandpa? All right. Well, look, yeah, well, I don't have all the pieces here, but... Uh, we're missing his mouth, and we're missing uh, a left hand. And Oh, wait, look at there. There's some teeth. How about that? That's starting to look like a person. Now, how do we know that that looks like a person? How do we know that? How do you know that? Just tell me. <laughs> so? face. I mean, a, a watch has a face and arms, but does it look like a person? Oh, I didn't mean to trick you like that. Um, But yeah, look, listen, it looks like a person. You know why we think it looks like a person? Because we've seen people before, haven't we? We've seen people before. We know what people are supposed to look like. We know that their arms don't come out of their forehead, right? Right? We know that their feet don't go on top of their head, right? Right, we know these things. We know the relationship of these body parts of this potato head here because, well, we've seen people before. We know how those relationships uh, of this toy, it's really like a puzzle that you put together. We know the relationships of all these pieces in this toy, right? The left hand goes on the left side, and the right hand goes on the right side, and the mustache goes under the nose. Well, Josh, you're in the third grade. You figure out your left from your right. Okay And we know where the eyeballs go because we've seen that kind of thing before, and we know the relationship of the pieces of Mr. Potato head, but listen, listen in life, we have other types of relationships, okay we have relationships with siblings. anybody have a sibling here yeah, anybody have anybody have parents here? you have parents yeah you have parents you have relationships with your parents, you have relationships uh with school teachers, and listen, the Bible tells us the Bible tells us how those relationships are supposed to work, right? It tells us how to live in relationship with one another. There's other relationships that you guys don't have to worry about too much right now, like husband and wife, boss and employer. Okay, listen, you just just your dad, just a relationship with your dad. So listen, you have relationships. With moms and dads and siblings and friends and teachers and pastors, and you have all these relationships. Are you listening? Listen to this. Listen real careful. The Bible, where did my Bible go? Among other things, tells us how we are to live in relationship to one another, how we are supposed to get along with other people in our life. And we would do well to do that. Or what might happen? is instead of a relationship that looks more like it's supposed to, our relationships start to look like feet on heads and arms coming out of our face, right? We don't want that. We want good relationships in our life. So let's strive to understand what the Bible has to say about those relationships and then live our life according to God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for all that it teaches us teaches us about the gospel, teaches us about our relationship uh, with you. But also, also it teaches us how we should be in relationship with other people. Father, I pray that we study your word and we walk in accordance to your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand again amen. and we
1: continue to
0: i gonna
2: Bible. Um, hope you can turn that to Ephesians chapter 5. We've got one verse today, the same one last week. Last week I said I was preaching an introduction to about a five-hour sermon, and so since I can't even get out of the first verse of our text, uh, you see why this is going to take so long. But uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to be there again today, but uh, let's pray together as we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the call of submission to one another. God, I pray that we might understand that better and practice it more fully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Uh, I put this on the screen here. This is very important. Um, today, there was a question about weather, and it didn't help that the county EMA director yesterday said that don't go to church today. We'd rather you not uh, stay off the roads. Uh, I wanted to say, you worry about running your government, I'll worry about running my church. But uh, in the event that weather does cause issues, we're approaching the winter season, Uh Make sure that you are signed up for this uh, so that if there's any kind of urgent matters that come up, anything uh, weather-related, any kind of uh, any, anything you need to know about that we can fit into about 100 characters or less, make sure that you've signed up for this. If you didn't get a message this morning that said normal schedule, then you're not signed up for it, okay? That's how you know. You, you should have gotten a message this morning that said normal schedule, uh, sent it a little after 8 o'clock. Uh, so make sure that you are signed up for that. We don't spam you, I promise. I'm not gonna send you a text message that says, hey, don't forget, uh, don't forget to bring your tide check on Sunday. I'm not gonna do that to you. Uh, but, uh, but please, we just use that for emergencies, for schedule changes, things like that. If, uh, if the weather had been uh, a little more sour today, then we would have probably had to make some schedule changes. The power's out, we can't have Sunday school, those sort of things. Just please make sure you're signed up for that. If you ever have been signed up and you've, you've Uh, to other services that use that same number, and you replied stop to stop their service, it also stops ours. So just remember that, that if you, sometimes we go to some events, use the same service, and you stop that, it stops all of it. So make sure you sign back up. If you don't know, do it anyway, and you won't get double notifications, I promise. Anyway, last week, I invited you to consider that we live in a culture that has a particular difficult time understanding the idea of submission. Last week was a lengthy introduction to a, a long set of teaching here on the end of Ephesians chapter 5 and the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6. So we're going to try to get into the meat of this a little bit more today. This problem isn't just true in marriage. We see this trend in all sorts of social structures. There's almost a, an anticipated rebellion of children against their parents When someone starts to express an anxiety that their 16, 17, 18-year-old is having struggles, other people just say, yeah, they're at that age. They're at that age. It's almost anticipated. We are seeing a pervasive sense of selfishness and disrespect from our society at large. We see it everywhere uh, today. A couple of months ago, I challenged you to heed the Apostle Paul's words about how we speak making sure that our speech is appropriate for the gospel that we are so indebted to. But for many today, the word submission may as well be treated as a four-letter word. When we consider the Apostle Paul's words in chapter 5, verse 21, we find that submission is not some sort of theological method for a patriarchal society to keep the ladies in check. We actually find that submission is the standard character of of all of our Christian relationships. It's not something simply for the patriarchy as is communicated today. I shared with you last week that my working model, my working concept of submission is this. Submission occurs within the boundaries of God's established structures and God's established laws. Submission occurs within the boundaries of God's established structures and God's established laws. Well, what exactly do I mean by that? Well, well, the first thing we mean here is that submission does not create an absence of leadership. Submission does not create an absence of leadership. You can imagine a culture where everyone submits equally to everyone, where no decisions can ever be made, where no leadership ever happens. And so biblical submission does not create an absence of leadership. Likewise, biblical submission does not cause us to do things in submitting to others that goes against our biblically informed consciences. If a husband asks his wife to do something that goes against her biblically informed conscience, then of course that, the end of submission is reached. If an employer asks an employee to do something that violates his ethics and his conscience, then submission is of course uh, ended there. If a child is asked by his parents to do something illegal or immoral, of course the child cannot submit to those requests. Biblical submission occurs within God's structures and God's laws. So that's our standard. But we know we don't really live up to that standard. We know if we're really honest with ourselves, we generally reject submitting to other people. There, there is a, there's a general aversion to that call upon our lives. Wouldn't we all much really rather just go on our own way and do our own thing after all? Isn't it easier to just do what you want to do and go where you want to go and eat what you want to eat and say what you want to say rather than having to worry about what other people think, say, want, or to do? Well, here's the reality. This has been our problem from the very beginning. We've always wanted to go our own way, do our own thing, ignore the authority that has been placed upon us. Remember our friend from last week? Now... I said last week, if you weren't here, that uh, they kind of used a, an alien coming from a, different, from a different planet to land here. That, that How would we explain marriage to, to, to this guy? The only thing he knows about marriage is, is what he's been able to learn from intercepting our television and reading our Internet. That's all he knows. But he understands that Christians may have a different understanding of, of how marriage and these relationships work. And remember last week I said that he's not really a space alien. He's really a representation of our confused culture. Because we live in a world that's very much confused over these matters. There, there's no clear message on these matters that's being communicated today. Well, we want him to fully understand what marriage is, what submission is. We really want him to understand so he can go back to his, his people and explain to them what the truth is. And so we really want the world today to understand what the biblical meaning of submission, what the biblical meaning of marriage, what the biblical idea of these relationships are supposed to look like. But in order for us to understand what Paul is saying in Ephesians 5, then we have to travel back in time. Uh, Now, our friend doesn't have a time machine, uh, but we actually do. We've got a pretty good record of what's happened in the past, and we can go back to and get a very good answer of what God's expectations and what God's desires are for us. You see, when we revisit God's original intentions in creation, we find that the mess that we now live in today, it's a mess, is actually quite a long ways away from God's original design, God's original intent. So let's go back in time. And think about God's good design in these relationships so that we can have a better picture of how they're supposed to work today. We understand that when we go back to Genesis chapter 1, that God has established order in creation. We live in a world, in a creation, that is very much ordered. In Genesis chapter 1, we find God creates with His words everything that has existence. And with the creation of everything... God also established the function of those things that he made and the rules and the principles by which they operate. God did that. I was fascinated back in, in August when the, when the solar eclipse happened. I'd never been able to be a part of that, never been able to see that before, a total solar eclipse. So I made it a point on the day of the eclipse to get, to get my youngest son to drive to North Georgia and to find a location where we could see this thing happen in totality. And as I was sitting in the parking lot of this little church up in North Georgia with some other folks who were there to watch the eclipse, we began to kind of banter that we hope the guy that predicted the eclipse passed algebra. Right? Or calculus. Probably calculus. He probably just had to do more than solve for X to figure out where the eclipse was going to go. Because if he was not quite right, then there's a whole lot of people that, that travel way out of the way to miss something. But the reason that they were able to predict the eclipse is not because they, you know, had a magic crystal ball or they didn't ask a magic eight ball about where it would be. The reason they were able to predict exactly where the solar eclipse would fall and how much of a percentage there would be, even in our area, they could get down to the tenth of a percent of how much eclipse sunlight we would have here because God created a creation that works and functions by specific, predictable laws and order. God made it that way. God made it that way. And we talk about all the different parts of of the universe that have this this incredible order. From the genetic code inside of your cells, to the laws of physics that hold planets in their constant journey around their star, these are all specific principles by which God created everything. In biology, you're able to study the different classifications of animals, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, not because we made that up, because but we figured out that this is how God put things together according to their kinds. God did this. Biologists didn't invent this. They just discovered how God ordered things. And in this ordering of creation, God gives mankind, you and I, a particular authority over the universe that he has made in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 we read these words be fruitful and multiply fill the earth subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth now this wasn't just some authority that that was vested this this wasn't just some some authority that was vested there in in man in a, in a man it actually says in Genesis 1 that God created us male and and female, and he gave male and female those mandates of dominion. You see, in God's order, humans, male and female, are to exercise wise stewardship and dominion over the rest of creation. There's no idea that, that, that a, a male is superior to a female in God's instructions of exercising dominion. As a matter of fact, if you read what God says in Genesis chapter 1 here, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's a two-person job, okay? It's a two-person job. You can't get that with one person. It requires two. This is very important. You see, we are living in a world today where, where those who are opposed to this try to paint this picture of, of patriarchy where, where, men are, where men are more important or, or, or where men communicate that they're more important, and you don't see that in the biblical order don't see that at all you see unique callings you see unique responsibilities you see unique structures unique design because secondly we understand that god has established order in human relationships see in genesis 1 we get the full picture but in genesis chapter 2 we have more light cast on the significance of the husband-wife relationships one of the first jobs that adam has is to name the animals Now, it wasn't just to test his creativity to see if he could come up with interesting names like hippopotamus and walrus. It wasn't just to see if he could he could come up with names for all those different animals. The reason Adam was res, was charged to name those animals because it established his authority over them. In the Bible, when someone is named by someone else, is it is an establishment of authority. When I name my children, I am establishing my authority over them by giving them a name. When the apostle Paul was Saul, his name was changed to Paul. God changed his name to reflect the his change and the now. He's a servant of Jesus Christ. There's a change of authority there. At the same time, when Adam went, had the list of animals there, it demonstrated that there was nothing created that could do what he was called to do. There was nothing in that lineup of critters that was able to fulfill this mandate of dominion, of stewardship over creation. Now, I'm sure that Adam realized that some animals were better than others. For instance, when the dog came by, I'm sure the dog was wagging his tail and jumped up on Adam and gave him a big sloppy kiss, and Adam thought, well, that's a a good animal to have around. When the cat came around and looked at him through judgmental eyes, probably wondering why God chose Adam instead of the cat, Adam probably said, I better watch those guys. But when all was said and done, when everything was taken care of, Adam came to the realization. There's no suitable helpers in this lineup. There's good pets. He didn't know it yet, but there'd be good eats. But there was no suitable helpers available. Well, what happens next is Adam has surgery. Adam has surgery. God says in Genesis 2.18, it's not good that man should be alone. The first not good that God says is that man is alone. And so God says, I'm going to make a helper fit for him. And throughout this chapter, God consistently calls Eve... A helper. Now, some will want to look at this and say that this is some sort of demeaning term, that somehow or another, because she is called a helper here, that this means slave. If modern feminists had their way, then they would picture this as Adam being Job of the hut and Eve being Princess Leah with a chain around her neck. That's how they want to communicate this, but that's not what helper means. Helper is actually a very respectable title, it's a title that God even uses for himself repeatedly. In the book of Psalms, chapter 121, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from my Helper, who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 54, verse 4, it says, Behold, God is my Helper. The Lord is the uplifter of my life. And so we need to recognize that within the, within the order of the Christian home, of the home as God has established it, He has given an honorable title of helper to the wife, which is not dishonorable as it seems to be communicated today. That's our reality. And we should be communicating it thusly. Well, the problem is that in chapter 3, we encounter the fall. And the fall represents a total inversion of the order. The fall is where the feet go on the head and the lips go on the bottom and the arms stick out of the middle. It's a total inversion of the structure that God has intended. How so? Well, first of all, an animal exercises dominion over the human. The serpent was the craftiest animal there. And the serpent deceives the human, manipulates the human, in fact, exercises dominion over her. Eve exercises authority over her husband. Oh, just take and eat this. This is, this is okay. This is good. This is good. And Adam doesn't do anything except sit on his backside and let the whole thing transpire. It's a complete inversion of God's call upon humans to exercise dominion over creation, to exercise wise stewardship over it. It's a complete undoing. And this is important. We need to constantly be reminded of this. We need to constantly be remembering this because this is where the damage to the marriage relationship started. This is where the damage began. All of this started right here in the garden of Eden. And all of this has started because we we've tried to repair the damage for thousands of years. Here's the thing, our secular culture wants to run absolutely roughshod over everything that's established in these chapters. Our culture wants to run roughshod over everything that God establishes in these chapters. Don't believe me? The transgender movement is a rejection of God's declaration that He created us with distinct characteristics that make us male or female. That's what that is. God made them male and female. Well, let's see if we can change that. Let's see if we can upend that and undo that and make it so that that doesn't matter anymore. The redefinition of marriage is a rejection of God's call for a man to leave his father and his mother and hold fast to who? His wife. And they shall become one flesh. When you redefine marriage and make it something else, this doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. And we see that redefinition coming through through no-fault divorce as well as through the movement that we've recently had to deal with in our own country today. Abortion is a rejection of the sacred nature of human life that's been created In the image and likeness of its creator. That's what this is. All of the problems that we are dealing with today in these these matters exist because we as people are constantly trying to upend and undo what God has established from the very beginning. And it goes beyond just our relationships with one another. The radical environmental movement is a rejection of God's command to exercise dominion over creation. There are people in this movement that say that people are cancer on the earth and we should treat people like we treat cancer and eradicate them from the face of the planet. There are people who believe this. Lots of people who believe this and practice it. Animal rights activists are rejecting against man's authority over the animal kingdom and thinking that they should give personhood rights to animals. Animals. There are lots of people who think this way. And liberalism is just a rejection of common sense. I just added that. <laughs> All of what is wrong today stems from man's attempt at self-rule apart from the structures and laws of God. What's wrong today is we just think we can do it better. We just think we, may, we, can, we can make it better we can take what God established and we can make it better. And if we haven't learned, we break everything we touch. I remember when I was a little boy and I'd go into those, those stores uh, that, that my mom liked to go into. And there were always things that were on shelves that were always dangerously close to where my eye level and hands could reach. And I remember my mom holding tight to my hands when we went into those stores because she knew that as a little boy that I would love to reach up onto those shelves and grab those shiny things that would frequently not last, not stay on the shelf but would be in my hands. And the next thing I know, those shiny things would be busted on the ground because I dropped them. And I remember my mom just saying, Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. But we are just like that. When we we walk in, we touch things and we break things that we touch. We are not capable of self-rule because we are so corrupted from the fall. You see, when man attempts self-rule, it's guaranteed to end in a disaster. Here's the problem. You ready? The disaster may take a few generations to show itself. The disaster may take a few generations to show itself. Imagine for just a second the problems that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are going to have because we've tried to do it our way for so long. Imagine the, the catastrophes waiting for them. We may not always see the full effect of the disaster during our lifetimes, but you can be guaranteed that it will come. So we need to be different. See, it turns out that our friend is very discouraged That's a discouraged emoji, by the way. We'll just say he speaks an emoji. He's very discouraged because of all this news. He's very discouraged that that we seem to be incapable of of self-rule. He's very discouraged that, that we can't get these relationships right. It's very discouraging. And he wonders, is there actually hope for this strange civilization that he has landed within? Well, it turns out that there is turns out that there's hope but the hope that we have is not found out there what we've got out there is like a ticking time bomb and a guy with a very shaky hand is about to cut the wrong wire i don't want to be anywhere near that so we have to remind our friend that the scriptures speak very clearly to us about our relationship with this very confused world romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this do not be conformed to this world but be transformed By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul has already asked us twice in Ephesians chapter 5 to discern and determine what the will of God is. And in Romans, we're reminded we should not be conformed to this world. We should be transformed away from this world. Our minds should not be like this world. They need to be renewed. As the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, nonconformity should be our marching orders. You see, nonconformity today is is treated as if it's some sort of new age rebellion against uh, against authority, but in reality, nonconformity should be the standard call for Christians to reject the prevailing winds of the world. Don't be like that. Don't don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Don't. Go the way the world is going. We must be different. And we must recover the order that God established from the beginning. In our marriages, the Christian home, the Christian marriage, we've got to recover the beauty of submission and sacrifice. That's a beautiful call. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, love, your wives, as Christ loved his church. I can't think of a more beautiful relationship than that. When it when it's worked out in in real life, what a beautiful relationship that is. In our families, children must learn the honor of this uh, the honor of obedience, while parents labor to raise godly children through sound and loving discipline and instruction. We have to. We have to. In our work relationships, employees must, must honor their employers while Christian employers demonstrate kindness and benevolence to those under them. This is the call that's on our lives. This is what should characterize our, our relationships, whether it's in the home or in our marriages or, or in our workplaces. This is what should characterize our, these relationships. So when it's all said and done, we just have to ask ourselves a very simple question. Do we conform to the world Or do we conform to the kingdom? Very simple. Do we do it like the world does it? Or do we do it like the kingdom does it? What is it going to be? It's a choice we make when we clock in on Monday morning. It's a choice we make if we clock out when we get home. Because we're tired and we don't want to have to deal with our families and our kids. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make. Are we going to conform to this world... Or are we going to embrace God's call upon our lives of submission and sacrifice? 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 says, The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, we can clearly identify the stuff of this world, and the Bible speaks over and over again about the stuff of this world. But I think it's time for God's church Stop toying with this stuff and resolve in our hearts. We're not going to go that way. We're not going to go that way. I love Joshua. I love the book of Joshua, but I love Joshua as a leader. And I love, at the end, Joshua's parting command to the Israelites. You guys choose today which way you're going to go. you got to choose. I can't choose it for you. I can't drag you along kicking and screaming. You gotta choose which way you're gonna go. But what if every man and every woman and every household who says that they follow Jesus and every church who says God's Word is true and we're gonna abide in it and follow it, what if we all said, me and my house suddenly those words that are so offensive to the world really aren't all that offensive to us. In fact, we embrace them because they model for us relationships as God designed. So this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. We can go back from the very beginning and we can identify where the error was in, was injected into our thinking. We figured it out. We know that we live in a world that's out of order. We know we live in a world that's broken. The guy wants to change that. Isn't that good news? Sometimes it's easy to bar the windows and doors, hunker down, and hope that they just don't come in. As long as they don't come in, we'll be okay. But the reality is is that the world knows it's broken. All these people that are pursuing alternative lifestyles, looking for hope and fulfillment and satisfaction, they're not finding it because it's not real. It's an illusion. It's not something that they will ever find. But it's God's people. We know where it is. We know where to look for it. We know where to find it. And we better know how to share it with others. And next week, we'll begin to unpack that. What that looks like in our homes. What that looks like in our marriages. What that looks like in our parenting and child relationships. What that looks like in our workplaces. We'll begin to see what that looks like. But today, we've got to recognize the dysfunction. Bow your heads with me, please. I would invite you today that if you've not given your life to Jesus, if you're still trying to do this on your own, go your own way, self-rule is going to lead you straight to hell. And I would invite you today to just say, I'm tired of leading myself because where I lead, I fail. And I would invite you today to lay down yourself, lay down your rule, and fall on your knees before King Jesus. Who says, I would love to rule over you. And I will rule over you for your good. And I will rule over you for... For, for, for my purpose in your life. And I will cause all these things to work together for your good. Because you were called according to my purpose. Today, and even as a tropical storm bears down, would you lay yourself down and give your life to Jesus? paid the penalty for all your sins and he offers you forgiveness and hope he takes all that brokenness in our lives and he redeems it behold he says he makes all things new and anyone who's in Christ can become a new creature today in just a moment when we I would invite you to just come to me and say, Pastor, I want to lay this self-rule down and I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow a king who loves me more than I love me. I want to follow a king who knows what sacrifice is because he sacrificed the most for me. I want to submit to this king who gave it all for me. Just a second as we stand and sing. I would invite you to take these moments. Don't leave here today without getting getting yourself right before the Lord. Having your sins dealt with through the blood of Jesus. Don't leave today. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize the dysfunction that is inherent in us as, as human beings. But God, that we would rejoice in the fact that Jesus has restored and redeemed. He has filled us with the Holy Spirit And He calls us to walk in a new way. Lord, let us not be conformed to this world that wants to reject the things of God from the very basics. The very basis of the world. The creation that we live in. They want us to reject it from the beginning. But God, let us not go that way. And instead, follow You. Follow Your laws and Your principles. God, thank You for the order that You've given us. God, guard us from disorder, which is our bent. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and have a time of invitation. If you want to come and pray, if you're that person who's here is not giving your life to Jesus, today's a day of salvation for you. Don't leave today without getting that squared away. Let's stand together and sing and respond as the Lord leads. Good to worship Jesus. Amen?